can I just ask this question on a beautiful snowy Sunday in Nebraska? How many guys are still loving Jesus today? Come on. Still loving Jesus? Yeah. Man, that's great. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Thank you for joining in and even expressing that gratitude to the Lord for what he has blessed us with. I mean, I just think that, man, when you get asked that kind of question, it's a great opportunity just to express how much you truly love God. So, guys, thanks for being here. My name's Jeff, if you're new with us, okay? If you've been here a lot, then you get tired of me introducing myself. Uh, I, don't, I don't introduce myself, by the way, for those of you who come every single week, by the way. You guys know that, right? Uh, I introduce myself because I know you're bringing friends. Thank you so much for choosing New Life today at all of our campuses and online. We are right in the middle of a series called Run to Win. Everyone say, Run to Win. Run to win. Come on. I don't know about you, but if I am going to run, and I've told you before, this dad bod doesn't like to run, right? But if I'm going to run, I want to run to win. Right? Now, I used to do this in my life like every year because I don't like to run. So every year I used to go and run one mile. That's no joke. I'm not even messing around with you. I go run one mile. And if I could run that mile under 10 minutes, then I was like, I'm good. Um, Then then something else, some other things happened in my life, and I decided uh, I can't win at that, so I'm not running. (laughs) And some, some of you feel that way spiritually. You kind of feel that way. You're like, I can't go all in because I don't feel like I can win. And I feel for you today. I feel for you in your spiritual journey that you're kind of like you're just lumbering along. You're kind of there. You're in it. You're here today. But you don't really feel like if you were to truly run after Christ, you can win. That's why we did this series. Because I I just believe this, that God didn't put you on this earth for you to lose. He put you on this earth for you to win. And I'm not talking about winning the lottery, all right, or winning that new job, or, you know, winning in some kind of tangible way. I'm talking about winning spiritually. How many of you guys know that this earth that we live on um, is just temporary for our lives? None of us get to live forever, ever, right? And that there's something beyond this life. And I don't know about you, but I'm striving for heaven. Amen? Right? I got on an airplane this past week, and I said, uh, the pilot was there, and I said, hey, hey, good, good to meet you, man. Uh, you having a good day? Because if the pilot's not having a good day, no one's having a good day. Are you having a good day? He goes, yeah, I'm having a great day. You're having a great day. I go, awesome, man. Well, I'm looking forward to going where we're going. He goes, I'm looking forward to going to heaven. And, you know, and uh, he wasn't messing around. Like, he wasn't, like, talking about he's going to fly the plane into a mountain that day. (laughs) He was serious. And I went and sat down in my seat, and I pondered that. And I was just like, he didn't have to tell me that. Right? But he's running to win. And I want you today to run to win. So we decided this, that if you want to run to win, that week one you had to run to him. Him. Wow, some of you, man. Good job. Well, week two, we said if you want to run to win, you got to run the course. It was a review, preview kind of week. Last week, this is a good test for you, okay? Um, good test. So last week, if you want to run to win, you have to run to prayer. Good job. Come on. If you said prayer, high five the person next to you. All right. And just stand up to everyone else and go, got it. All right. Just do that. All right. Uh, right. But, to, but this whole series comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And we decided, okay, actually, I, I, I told you we we're going to do it. Um, but you notice how I flipped that. Okay. But we decided we were going to memorize verse 24. How many guys have memorized verse 24 already? You feel like you got it down. Okay, a couple of you. All right, all right. Well, I'm going to still help you with this. All right, we got this week and then next week. Next week's the last week. Okay, so you're going to want to lean in on this verse. So I'm going to put it up there on the screen. 
We're going we're gonna to go through it once, and then we're going to pull it down, and we're going to go through it again. Okay, because we're going to try to get this scripture into our heart. This is our theme scripture for this whole series. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, read it with me. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Okay, all right, all right. You guys think you got this one? All right, let's pull it down off the screen. Let's pull it down off the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, are you ready with me? Don't you realize... That, <laughs> but only one person gets the prize. So, oh, you guys, you guys were so good. You're so good. Let's put it back up on the screen one more time. All right, one more time, one more time. Are you ready? Okay, one more time. Here we go. First Corinthians chapter nine, verse twenty-four. Don't you realize that every runs, but only one person gets the prize. So. Come on. Come on, guys. It's not easy memorizing Scripture, is it? It's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. Uh, but I'll tell you what. When you get God's Word into your heart, then God all of a sudden can start using it. He can start using it in places you never imagined it. Where all of a sudden you're in the grocery store and you're talking to someone. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 pops up. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? Today are you running to win? Or today, you know, God's, God's put you in this race to win, right? So today, we're going to keep going on in the series. If you want to run to win, today you have to run to God's word. Run to God's word. That's where we have to go today. Now, look, I get it. Like, I'm going to talk about God's word today, and many of you are going to kind of like think to yourself, well, this is so basic, Jeff. Like, what else can you tell us about God's word other than to read it? And, and I'm going to tell you a number of things other than just to read it, okay? But I'm going to tell you a lot about God's Word today because, look, I want you to win this race called life. And to win the race, you have to run to His Word. Now, look, if you were a professional athlete, food would be a very important thing for you. It's not just that you would consume food. It would be the type of food that you consume. Because a high-level capacity athlete has to pay attention to the calories that they're intaking and the type of food that they're taking into their body. Each athlete looks at food differently, but each athlete looks at food in some kind of a dietary fashion where they're trying to prepare themselves for the battle on the field, for, for, the, for the attempt to score the goal. For the attempt to last the duration of the game. Like they're trying to prepare themselves for all the training that they have to go through. So the average person needs, okay, not consumes, but needs somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,500 to 2,000 calories. How many of you guys think you need more than that? <laughs> My hand's up, okay. My hand is up. I think I need more than that when I start looking at what, you know, food actually is. But, but that's all we really need is 15 to 2,000. These high-capacity athletes are consuming much more than that. Let's look at a couple of examples really quick. Like uh, Michael Arnstein. Michael Arnstein is this, like, guy who had been competing in big, long, endurance-type marathon races. He's a big fruit dude, okay? He loves fruit. Fruit is his passion. Uh, Michael, he consumes somewhere in the neighborhood of intake about 4,000 to 6,000 calories a day. Now, if I consume that amount of, that amount of calories, uh, pretty soon I'm going to have to develop my own clothing line, okay, because where I shop is not going to fit me anymore. But he does this 80-10-10 raw vegan diet, which means that 80% of what he consumes is raw uh, carbs, 10% is raw protein, and the other 10% is raw 
fats. And this is what he's done. He doesn't cook anything. Everything is just raw. It's natural. That's what he does. So for him to, co- to compete, for him to maintain this diet, guys, for him to maintain 4,000 to 6,000 calories a day, he said that every 10 days he has to go to the store and purchase 500 pounds of fruit to feed himself and his family. Every 10 days, 500 pounds. This guy takes his, his like athleticness serious. He takes his diet serious. But let me tell you about another guy. How about Michael Phelps? You guys remember Michael Phelps back in 2008 and, and, a, and a couple of Olympics after that? Like this guy's won more Olympic medals than anyone else. But his average calorie intake while he was preparing for the 2008 Olympics was 12,000 calories a day. While he was preparing for the Olympics, 12,000 calories. There's a whole thing. You can Google it. Michael Phelps, like, 12,000 calorie challenge. If you try to do that, you might die. It's not going to be a good day for you. You're not going to feel good. You're not just going to go into a food coma. You might end up in a coma. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not going to end well. Uh, So they asked him, well, what does that really look like, Michael? Like, what does that mean you're eating? He goes, a pound of pasta, an entire pizza, three fried egg sandwiches, grits, and French toast, just to get the conversation started. Wow, to be a competitive athlete. Look at the calorie intake. How about Usain Bolt? You guys remember that name before? Usain Bolt? Like, he is the sprinter from Jamaica, man, all right? And like he, he, he like stole the hearts, this track and field of 2008 Olympics. His average calorie intake is 5,500 calories a day. But here's the unique thing about Usain Bolt. He won these medals at the 2008 Olympics, but here's the diet that he had while he was competing in the Olympics. Because the Huffington Post reported on uh, Usain Bolt during those Olympics, and they discovered that Usain Bolt ate 47,000 calories of McDonald McNuggets. 47,000 calories of McNuggets during the, during the Olympics. It said that he ate nuggets and fries for breakfast, and then for lunch, and then for dinner, and then he actually got an apple pie for snack. And he's got the medals to prove it. Can you believe that? All right, so that's what was reported on them. Here, here's what I'm trying to say, that each of them eat differently But the main point is this, they take eating very seriously and they consume a lot of food to be competitive athletes. What does that mean for you and me? God's word is our food. If we're gonna be competitive athletes in our spiritual journey, means that we're gonna have to take the the intake of our calories, God's word, we're gonna have to take that very serious. And it might seem like it's more than what the average person needs. It might seem like it's more than what you think you need. But if you are going to burn off those calories and sharing the good news of Christ and withstanding you know, the temptations of this world and maintaining the, the, the testimony of what it looks like to love Jesus in a world that doesn't, you're gonna have to consume a lot of calories of God's word. There's gonna have to be a lot of intake coming in if you wanna run to win. And that's what we find in our passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, going to verse 27. It says that I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. I discipline it. Like, like, look, you don't have to discipline yourself to eat. 
M- many of you don't. There's some of you that, I get it, like, there, there's some of you that you deal with some eating disorders, and man, there's, it's painful for you, and it's a difficult challenge for you, and I pray that God will give you freedom, you know, from that. But for, for the average person who's listening to my voice right now, like, you don't have to discipline yourself to eat. Your body says it's time to eat, and you go and you eat. But when you're an athlete, though, on the other hand, you have to discipline yourself to eat 12,000 calories. It's got to become part of your schedule. It has to be like, okay, after you do those reps in the pool, you're getting out, you're eating a whole pizza. And then you can go back and you can do that again 30 minutes later because that's what my grandmother told me. (laughs) But you know, you see what I'm saying? Like, you're going to have to discipline yourself. And guys, for for you and me, that's going to have to be the case for God's word. We're going to have to discipline ourselves if we're going to consume the calories of God's word, that's going to allow us to sustain and progress and actually win in this race called life. We're going to have to discipline ourselves. We're going to have to lay down a schedule so that we can actually train our soul and our spirit to do what it should. You know what that means then? It means this, that there's no possible way that you can live a life that pleases God without being in his word because his word trains you to please him. Do you have a goal that you want to please God more in 2023? Do you have a goal that you want to live a life that looks a little bit more like Jesus in 2023? I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to come from the discipline of God's word that trains the soul and the spirit that ends up living a life that pleases God. So that means God's word is non-negotiable if you want to run to win. So let me give you a couple of thoughts about this, all right? That if you want to run to win, then God's word has to be your manual for life. I know this, that the average American doesn't like manuals. Now, there are a couple of you that are listening to me right now that when you buy something new, you buy a new electronic or you, you, get, you get another you know, household item or, or something that comes with a manual, you read the manual. Like for you, it's a discipline. Like I'm going to read the manual from the beginning to the end. For the average person who's listening to my voice, we take the manual, we look at it, we kind of flip through it. We're like, I got this. And we lay it to the side and we start putting the item together. We only really go to the manual when we get in trouble. Amen. But isn't that just like our our spiritual life? It seems like God's word sits there. We've kind of flipped through it. You kind of do the... The, the U version, you know, one scripture a day. How many guys use the U version, by the way, the U version Bible app? How many guys use the U version Bible app and you read the scripture of the day? Okay, reading the scripture of the day is awesome, but it's kind of like flipping through the manual and just lay it to the side. Can I just say that? <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to like, like take out your steam from underneath your legs. I'm just saying that it's a great way to start. It's not the way you want to end. Okay, it's, it's a good way to get things going, but it's not the end result. So I want to encourage you, keep doing that, right? But don't, don't just stop there. Keep, keep going farther because it's kind of like we, we use God's word. When we get in trouble, we go to God's word. And guys, that's not what, we're, not, not what God's called us to do. How many of you guys have ever, you, you bought furniture in the box? You know, like you go into the store, you're like, I like that. And then when you go to, to the window to pick it up or you go and you pull your vehicle up, they load it in a box and now you realize, I've got to put this thing together. And you get it home and you open it up right? And then there's like all these different pieces of like some kind of particle board that's super heavy, all right? And it's like there's, there's item A, B, C, D, E, all the way to like double Z. And you're like, how many parts are there? And there's eight screws that are this long. And then you've got five screws that are that long. And then they give you the ridiculously small Allen wrench to try to put this whole thing together with. Are you with me on this? 
if you don't have the manual, it's impossible to put that thing together, right? It's impossible to put it together. See, God's word is the manual for your life. Follow me on this. Could it be, just like blow your mind moment, could it be that your life doesn't look like Jesus because you ain't going to the manual? Could it be that you've opened up the box called life and you're starting to put this bookshelf together and it doesn't look anything like a bookshelf? Your life doesn't look like him. It doesn't sound like him. It doesn't feel like him because we haven't gone to the manual. We don't even know what it's supposed to look like. We're just randomly putting spiritual pieces together and it doesn't even make any sense. Could it be that we need to get back to the manual? So I'm going to tell you this, that when you read it and when you evaluate it and when you apply it and then when you discuss God's word with others, I'm going to tell you right now, you follow that approach, it will bring life to you. You will run and win. That's what God's called us to. He's a manual. Jesus said this in John chapter 8. Jesus said to the people who believed in him. How many of you guys believe in Jesus right now? Okay. Then Jesus said this to you. Jesus said this to the people who believed in him. You are truly my disciples. Watch this. If you remain faithful to my what? How are you going to know his teachings? Are you think that it's just going to come from the Sunday, like what we do right now? Like that's not where you're going to get all the teachings. We get the teachings by going back to the manual of life. How do you, how do you project your life to be a follower of Jesus in 2023? You do it by following his teachings, by getting back to the manual and consuming the manual, right? And then he goes on, he goes, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I don't know about you, but I want freedom in my life. Amen. We find it in the manual. You get it in God's word. When we go back and we say, God, I've been putting my life together and it's all in shambles. I need to get back to your word. God, will you open up my eyes and help me to see how you want my life to be lived? And guys, as we read his word with that kind of a humble heart, there's something about that that God starts putting the pieces together and we actually start running to win. Let me give you another thought about God's word though, okay? These are just thoughts. If you want to run to win, God's word has to become your binoculars. Have you guys ever used binoculars before? All right, I want you to follow me. Follow me on this. Binoculars do a very unique thing. They take something that's far away, that is, that is in less detail, and they bring it up close to you. That's what binoculars do. There's another thing that binoculars do that's very unique, though. Binoculars also, they, they rein in your, your area of focus. You, you can't be distracted by what's on the left and the right of you. You can only really focus on what you can see down line, what's inside of that glass that you're looking at. Are you with me so far? So when I lived in Alaska, we used binoculars a lot to hunt because you're looking a long ways. And you think that you see something. I remember one time, man, I'm hunting, and I'm like, that's a black bear. It is awesome. It's a black And I go digging out all my binoculars, and I'm getting ready to go hike up this mountain and get this black bear, right? Because that, that was the season. And when I get my binoculars out, I'm looking at this thing. I'm like, that's not a black bear. What, what? That's a huge porcupine. <laughs> now, I, I would have been really frustrated if I would have gone down into that ravine crossed that river, hiked up that mountain to get up there and find out it's a porcupine, I would have wasted a lot of time. Binoculars saved that hunt. 
Binoculars also helped me to find what I was going after, though. And they allowed me to kind of like zoom in and get my eyes focused on what I needed to get a hold of. God's word, guys, follow me on this one. God's word is a binocular allowing you to see him up close and in detail. God's word. God's word becomes the binocular. Do you feel like you don't really know who God is? Do you feel like God's like a little distant from you? you feel like God's a little blurry? Let the binoculars of his word unveil who he really is. That's what he wants to do. God's, God's word then focuses our attention on him, removing all the other distractions from life. It's amazing to me how you can go into a moment of devotion and reading God's word with all of the chaos of life around you and get caught up in the moment of God speaking to you from his word and the distractions of life go away. Just like the binoculars focus you in on just that one area that you can see. Guys, that's what God's word does for us. Proverbs 4 talks a little bit about this when it says these words in verse 20. My child, it says, pay attention to what I say, God says to us. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they'll bring life to those who find them and healing for their whole body. Hey, look, we would use we would use binoculars for hours on end, guys, looking for that moose, looking for that caribou, looking for that bear. Man, I just want to go do that like right now. <laughs> like there's so much fun, like glassing, and you're looking, you're looking from one mountain all the way over a valley into another mountain, and all of a sudden you see this brown dot. You're like, that's a moose. Right, And then you can see his antlers, and you're like, I'm going to go after that one. Or that one's too small. We're not going to waste all of our time. We would do it for hours. The only way you're going to find God is by spending time in his word. But the binoculars of his word, over time, it allows you to start to discover who he is. Don't give up too quick. Amen. Don't give up too quick. I'm telling you, all of a sudden, a truth is going to move from behind the tree. Don't give up too quick. Because all of a sudden, you're going to see it on top of the mountain. You're going to be like, that's the truth I've been looking for. Don't give up too quick, church. Are you with me so far? Yes. We're challenged in this scripture. We're challenged to listen to God's word carefully and to pay attention to what he says. That's what, the, that's what, the, that's what Proverbs chapter 4 said to us. It said, look, listen to God's word carefully and pay attention to what it says. Can, can I just suggest to you that if you're going to listen to God's word carefully and pay attention to what it says, that you should do that slowly. There's another thing about binoculars. When you got binoculars up to your face like this, and you're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth all over the place, that's when you get nauseous. You do. And if you've ever done that, you know that's a horrible feeling. You start getting sick to your stomach, right? You get very nauseous because you're just trying to go through it quickly. Can, can, I, make, can I make another, like, drop a bomb moment um, in, in the sermon? S some of you, you love to read through the Bible every year. And that's kind of your pet peeve. You like to read through the Bible every year. And can I just say this to you? Like, that's great. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just like reading the scripture of the day. There's nothing wrong with it. But let me just ask you this question. If, you're, if your whole goal is to read through the Bible in a year, okay, you're moving pretty quick. You're moving pretty quick. And my guess is that when you get behind in that schedule, you get a little nauseous spiritually. Like you want to give up. Like you want to 
you just want to do something different. You start getting a little nauseous spiritually when you get behind on that. Let me tell you something that you're missing when your whole goal is just to read through the Bible quickly in one year. It's going to be really hard to evaluate and to apply. That's why you've got to slow down. You've got to listen to his word carefully so that we can apply it. See, look, God also said this in, in Proverbs chapter 4. He goes, he wanted his word to penetrate deep into our hearts. When God's word penetrates deep into our heart, that's when we're able to run to win. So that means we've got to slow down and start evaluating. Here's what it means to evaluate. God, what is it that you're trying to say in this passage? You might read one scripture. I'm talking like one verse. You might read six verses. It might end up being 12 verses. I don't know. It depends on where you're reading in the Bible, but you're, you're kind of reading a thought that's happening there. And when you capture the thought, you stop. Stop. Stop right there at the thought. And go, God, what is it that you're really trying to say here? Holy Spirit, open my eyes up. Help me to see what are you trying to say. And then secondarily, how do I apply that then to my life? That's where you're going to benefit more from God's word. If you allow God's word to become the binoculars that focus in on who he is, and you start seeing him more clearly, and you start evaluating, God, what are you trying to say, and how do I apply this to my life? Let me tell you, that's when God's word starts to come alive. Amen. That's what he wants for you. Let me give you one last thought, though, that if you want to run to win, which I'm sure all of you still want to run to win, right? Amen. Okay, then God's word has to be your hearing aid. You're going, what? What does that mean? God's word has to become your hearing aid. Look, I got, I got good news and bad news, all right? I'm just going to give it to you all in one moment. The older we get, the more likely it is that many of us are going to need hearing aids. Because we listen to our music too loud, like our mother said to us, you're not going to be able to hear one day if you keep listening to your music that loud, right? She was right. Um, and then you start losing, just as you get older, sometimes you start losing the ability to hear certain frequencies. And so you're going to need a hearing aid to like, amplify those frequencies that you can no longer hear. But when you put a hearing aid in where you couldn't hear, here's what, I, here's what people have told me that are older than me that, use, that have to use a hearing aid. Some of them have told me I kind of le- felt like I was left out for a while before I had hearing aids. Because I would stand out in the lobby of a church, and there would be so much noise going on that I had a hard time holding the conversation. I would try to read people's lips, but I wasn't really getting everything that they were saying. But now that I got these hearing aids in, it's like I've got a brand new life. It's like I've got a brand new life. I've had many people say to me, Jeff, I've never, I don't think I've ever heard God's word. Can I just suggest to you that God, God's voice is, is most often heard through his word? And that when you lean into God's word, you're going to start hearing it more clearly than ever before. God's word's never going to be a rock concert speaker to you. I wish it was. It would make life a lot easier. God's word comes more like the hearing aid. Or for some younger folks, okay, like myself, <laughs> it comes like an, like an AirPod. Like, look, if I, if I activate my, my Bluetooth AirPods, but I just leave them on the table and my phone starts playing music through them, guess what I can't hear? I can't hear that music. I have to actually take that music in that AirPod, I have to stick it in my ear, but the minute I stick it in my ear, wham, it comes alive. It's the same thing with your hearing aid. 
Okay, it's the same principle. you got to stick it into your ear if you really want to maximize it. And guys, that's what God's asking us to do with his word. He's asking us, will we, will we take his word and stick it in our heart? You take his word, you stick it in their heart, meaning you, you take time to open up God's word and say, God, speak to me. Open my heart up to your word. That When you take time to do that, then all of a sudden you start hearing God's voice more clearly. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say to you that God's tuned his word perfectly for you to hear it. He's tuned it perfectly for you to hear it. You, you might struggle in certain areas of your life, but he's tuned his word perfectly so that you can hear the verse that you need to read so that you can find the freedom that you, that you need. He's tuned it perfectly for your ear. Okay, and God, God, God's in that quiet place. He's in that place, not the rock concert speaker. He's in the quiet place. Like Elijah found this out in 1 Kings chapter 19 when God took him up to the mountain to, you know, seek him and to find him. And while he's in this cave, this like wind comes, a wind that's so strong it says it breaks rocks. And Elijah's wondering to himself, God, is that you? And then an earthquake comes and it shakes the mountain violently. And Elijah's like, that's got to be God. Like, that's the kind of powerful God we serve. But that's not, that wasn't it. Then, uh, then a fire came and it consumed the entire mountain. And Elijah was like, I'm sure this is you, God. But then a whisper came. And God was in the whisper. God's not always going to be in the rock concert loud level of speaking to you. That is incredibly rare. God's in the whisper. And if you're going to hear the whisper of God, you got to put the AirPod in. you got to put the hearing aid in. you, you, you got to take time in God's word to let God's word speak to your heart. And when you hear God's voice, he starts to change your life from the inside out. Not, always, not from the outside in, from the inside out. Because his word penetrates deep to the heart where it starts adjusting the soul. It starts adjusting the spirit. And I just want you to know God wants you to hear his voice because God wants you to win. God's word will, get, will make you strong and will keep you strong through this race called life if you allow him to. Well, look, I want to end today. I want to end uh, reading to you a passage out of Psalms chapter 119. Now, before we read this, and I'm not going to preach this passage, so it's going to be up to you to gain from this passage what the Holy Spirit's trying to speak to you. But can I just make a suggestion to you that there's two zones that you need to be evaluating this passage through. So this is an assignment for you. Okay, don't expect me just to like tell you everything that's going to happen in this passage. This is one of those moments where I'm expecting the Holy Spirit to highlight something for you. But I think there's two, there's two lanes that you need to look at Psalms 119 through. First off, you got to listen to the commitment of the psalmist to God's word. I want you to listen to his commitment. And I want it to challenge you to the core. Okay? But then secondly, I want you to listen to the benefits that he tells us about God's word for your life. So there's a commitment to God's word, and then there are benefits of God's word for your life. I don't know if God's going to encourage you with the benefits so that you go home and you want to consume more of his word, or he's going to challenge you with the commitment. I don't know which one he's going to do for you, but I just know this. I think those are the two key lanes that as we look at this passage in Psalms 119, you need to evaluate it. And then figure out what the Holy Spirit's saying to apply it to your life. Here we go. Psalms 119, verses 97 through 106. Oh, how I love your instructions. How I love your word. I think about them all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies. For they are my constant guide. 
Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I'm always thinking of your laws. I'm even wiser than my elders, for I have kept your commandments. I have refused to walk on any evil path so that I may remain obedient to your word. I haven't turned away from your regulations, for you have taught me well. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. This is a scripture that many of you have heard. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Now listen to this. I've promised it once, God, and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. If you want to run to win, church, then you have to run to God's word. There's no way to get around it. I can't be the only one that gives it to you. You've got to, you've got to be consuming it for yourself. If you're reading the one, the one-year Bible, do that, but slow down in certain passages and evaluate and apply. If you're reading the, the scripture of the day, take that and go a little farther. Read it in its context. Click on that and go, yeah, take me to the, the verse, take me to the chapter where that is. Let me read a little bit before it, a little bit after it. I don't know where you're at, but let's, let's take it to that point. I know this about you, that you may, have, you may have promised it once to the Lord, but let's promise it again to the Lord. God, I will obey your word. That's what the psalmist says. I promised it once to you, Lord, but I'll promise it again to you. I will obey your word. If that's you today, church, at all of our campuses, if you've promised it once and you want to promise it again, that God, I want to be a man or a woman that will obey your word, would you just stand with me? As we get ready to worship, and as you stand, would you just repeat this after me? I promised it once, Lord. But I promise it again. I will obey your word. Father, I pray for this church. I pray for this congregation. Lord, you, you designed this congregation of people to run to win. To run this race called life and to actually win. And to do that, Lord, we've learned today that we have to run to your word. But Lord, thank you for making your word the manual that directs our life. Thank you for making your word like a binocular that makes it more clear of who you actually are. Your word tells us who you are. That's what you do. And Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, that your word, Lord, it brings life to us. And that your word becomes like a hearing aid, helping us to tune our ear to hear your voice more accurately and more clearly. Thank you that your word does all of those things and so much more. So, Lord, we, we have promised to you once, and we do promise to you again that we will run to your word. We will. We'll run to your word. May you continue to be faithful to speak to us through your word and give us the directions for life. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen.